Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a shining word to us. It breaks through the darkness and it brings light to our souls. We thank you, Lord, for such a bright word that you gave to us. As we study, we pray that it would do just that, would bring light into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 21, and begin reading at verse 22. Genesis 21, verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee, in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son. But according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me, and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I what not who hath done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, Neither yet heard I of it but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called the place Beersheba, because there they swear both of them. And thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up, and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Okay, so what we've seen in this chapter so far is how the focus has changed, has shifted. We've looked at shifting focuses here. We started off this chapter in chapter 21 here. We looked at Sarah. Then we looked at Abraham. Then we looked at at Hagar. And now the focus is shifting back to Abraham where we read these words here. It came to pass at that time that here comes Phicol and and Abimelech, Phicol, the chief captain, and they say, God is with thee in all that thou doest. So here comes these two men, and they're not believers. They're not followers of the God of Abraham. And they're just wanting to have peace, though. They've got this burning desire. Abimelech has this burning desire. He wants peace. He wants reconciliation. Not with God, but he wants peace and reconciliation with Abraham. They came with this observation, this surmounting observation, and they told Abraham what they had observed. They said, when we've looked at you, we've seen that God is with you in all that thou doest. You know, many people, for example, today, they look at Jewish people and they see unexplainable achievements. They look at at, at Nobel Prize winners and they see that 23% of them are Jewish, and yet compared to the world population, only 0.2% or less than that are, are Jewish. Why? Because God is with them in all that they do. But the ironic part is that the name of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's with them in the things that they do, yet for the most part, they continue to despise him and to reject him. And he continues to send believers to them, like you, like me, like others, who 
love them and pray for them and bring the gospel to them. And even though the Lord Jesus Christ is with the Jewish people in what they do, if they die in their sins without him, then that stops. It all stops at that point. God's not with them anymore, and it's an eternity of being lost without God. But this is how God's people are known to the world, not by their preaching, not by the churches they attend, but by an undeniable evidence that God is with them in all things that they do. That shows us that if the lost are going to be drawn to us as believers, they're going to be drawn to the Lord, if it all be, will be because they see that God is with us in all things that they do. Because the lost, after all, when we kind of boil it down, we say, what is the one simple need that the lost have? The lost do not need to turn over a new leaf. The lost do not need to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps. There are plenty of people with admirable lives of morality and finer ethics that are on their way to hell. And many people who we would look at and we would just say, now there goes a good person. That's a good person. That person is walking right down the middle of the road to hell. The lost don't need religion. Lots of religion. Many religious people that are lost. Essentially, it was very religious people who said to the Lord in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The lost don't need to join a church. There are many lost people in churches. The singular need of the lost is very simple. They need God. They need God. And we're, we're, we're going to do our job as salt and light, as the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to be, if our message to the lost is not, you need a change of life, is not, you need religion, is not, you need to join this church, but our message simply comes down to, you need God. You need God. And what draws the lost to us is to listen for what drew Abimelech and Phico when they said, God is with thee in all that thou doest. They didn't come to, they didn't come, Abimelech and Phico didn't come and say, you're to Abraham, well, now you're a righteous person, we can see that. And they say, oh, you're religious, or we want to become a Hebrew like you. But what they said is, God's with you. It's evident, we can see it. He's with you in all things that you do. What they were saying is that when we see you, we see God with you. When we watch you, we're watching God with you. When we see you, see, we're not looking at a good person, a religious person, a Jewish person, but we see God is with you in every part of your life, everything that you're doing. We see God giving you peace when you're in a crisis. We see God fighting against your enemies. We see God blessing everything that you touch. We see God with you. You know, it was interesting, before we were fired from 19 years of making first response, pregnancy test, and the customer the customers that we were making that for, they, their companies were blessed. They, 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 their sales were increasing, and the first quarter that they fired us, they had an unprecedented 5% drop in all of their sales. Why? God. That's what they said to Abraham. God is with you in all things that you do. King Solomon said in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with them. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to see that God is with them in all things. The lost look and they say, there's no explanation for that other than God. 
I told you that after we were sued by Quest Diagnostics, a small company, only $6 billion, and their affiliate Nichols, and, and here we were, a little company, we only had a million dollars in the bank. And, and they had planned our demise because they had more cash, just a little bit more cash than we did. And so they bought a patent, a German patent. It wasn't worth the paper was written on, but the, the, the U.S. patent trade, uh, the U.S. PTO here in their infinite wisdom gave that patent, but anyway. And so we were needing to borrow $8 million from the bank for our building in Takati, which we started. And then when we were sued, then the bank says to us, sorry, Charlie, no money for you. You've just been sued by a $6 billion company. And we need another $8 million, that we didn't know about, but anyway, to pay for our attorneys. You know, you have to be careful when your attorneys say to us, how's business going? <laughs> anyway, so again, again, the bank says, no money for you. We don't lend for attorney fees. And so that was the plan of our enemies. That was the plan of Quest. That was the plan of Nichols. And for five long years, 25 years, we mined the business. We have $1 million in the bank. Five years, we neglect the business, concentrate on defending ourselves in court, federal court downtown. What happens during those five years, the Lord Jesus Christ rains on us $15 million. How did, that, how, how did, how did we orchestrate that? <laughs> and we stayed debt-free during the whole episode. After 25 years of watching the business like a hawk, ending up with a million dollars, how do we orchestrate after five years of neglecting the business to have $15 million? Only one answer. An answer. We did not. The only explanation is verse 22. God was with us in all things that we did. Our business was in German court. I had signed some insurance papers that were all in German. I do that very often. I never know what I'm signing. I just sign it. And we were in the uh, upper land court in... Um, Anyway, where that's where we were, in Germany. And I was sitting in a chair, in, you know, in a big open room, kind of like a reverse of the Nuremberg trials, but not exactly. And there were three judges sitting there, and they were looking at me, and they were saying, we can't believe that you would sign something without knowing what you're signing. I said, well, you don't know me. Anyway, and uh, I, I told them, I don't speak German, but the former employee orchestrated against us, had an insurance man who was there, and he was ready to testify in court a lie and say that he had explained everything to me in English with the papers, which he didn't. And that would have been the end for us. So what happens? Two weeks before the trial, he dies. I had nothing to do with it. I didn't do anything. <laughs> he has a heart attack. How'd that happen? Only one explanation. Verse 22, God is with you in all things that you do. About eight years ago, the owner of one of our competitor labs in Germany, uh, not Germany, Florida this time, Florida, made it known that he was planning on filing a, a, a whistleblower lawsuit against us in federal court alleg alleging that we cheated the government. What happened before he filed the case? He dies. Oh, why? What's the, how did, I didn't orchestrate that. I'll tell you, only one explanation. God is with thee. But this is exactly why lost Gentiles will flock to the Jewish people, as it says in Zechariah 8.23, when it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you. Why? One explanation. For we have heard that God is with you. That was, that, was, that was what Laban came to recognize in Genesis 30, verse 27, is that when, he had, uh, when, when the relationship got sour between, Abraham, uh, Laban, between Laban and Jacob, and what happened is he said, Laban said unto him, I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, in other words, stay here, 
For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Abimelech was obsessed with this. And, and this is not the first time that he'll come wanting peace because he's also going to come for the same reason. A few chapters later, we're going to see in Genesis 26, 25 through 29, when it says, and he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well then Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzah, one of his friends, and Phicolion, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, this is Isaac now, son of Abraham, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and ye have sent me away from you? They said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. Let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt not do us no harm, as we have not touched thee just stole his wells, but apart from that, he's all right. As we have done unto thee nothing but good, just stole his wells, anyway, and sent thee away in peace, and thou art now blessed of the Lord. This is what impressed, this was the shining characteristic of Joseph. You think of Joseph, oh, sterling character. No, when people looked at Joseph, it wasn't so much. It was as what Pharaoh said when he looked at Joseph, he said, can we find a man as this in whom the Spirit of the Lord is? And what was said there in Genesis 39, 2 through 3 about Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. That's what, came, that was, that's what, make, that's what made Joseph great. That's what made Jacob great. That's what made Abraham great. That's what made King Solomon great. When it says in 2 Chronicles 1.1, Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. The presence of God, that's what it was. And that's what the apostle John was emphasizing when he said in 1 John 1, 3, that which we've seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his son, Jesus Christ. Do we have fellowship with as believers? Yes, we have fellowship together, as John said, that ye also may have fellowship with us. In our fellowship, is our fellowship just only with believers? No. In our primary fellowship, is our primary fellowship with believers? No. Then how are believers characterized? And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Our primary fellowship is not with believers, our primary fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's why the time alone with God, the devotion time, is so vitally important for believers. It's so important for us to guard that time so it doesn't become just a mechanical exercise of, okay, I gotta read this and I gotta say, I gotta, I gotta say some prayers. But that's the time, as John put it in 1 John 1, 3, for the time for us to have fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have to guard against becoming dead in traditions. Sometimes when, when, when another John, my, John, my friend at work, and I pray, John will start off the prayer by saying, Lord, it's John and Tom again. We need you again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so precious. It's natural. It's from the heart. All right, so here's, here's the, get some more of the well of water here, Bathsheba. Here we go. Abimelech wants a treaty of friendship with Abraham. Why? For one reason. Abimelech remembers back in Genesis, the previous chapter in verse 17 where it said, so Abraham prayed unto God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bare children. 
Abimelech had his firsthand experience then with the power of Abraham's prayers. And it seems as though Abimelech remembered that, and there seems to be this sense of urgency now. Something has happened in Abimelech. He needs to have peace with Abraham. And so Abimelech wants this peace treaty. And, and Abraham, with Abraham, and it's very clear for Abimelech that Abimelech has got to get him to swear by God to make an oath. And Abimelech had to have this as an evidence. They had to have this as this kind of evidence of this peace treaty. Particularly, this is very important for Abimelech, and Abraham has to make this oath over it all. And so Abimelech wanted something very tangible for his oath. There was something, that was something very important as part of the agreement or the covenant for Abimelech to have. He wanted, this, he wanted it to be an oath of the high, made on the highest authority. And so he could get Abraham to swear unto me. See what he says there? Swear unto me here by God. You know, swear unto me here by God. And he couldn't think of, Abimelech couldn't think of anyone higher than God. Yeah, that's good. And, and for Abraham to swear. So he has to swear by God. And Abraham was very understanding of what Abimelech was asking for because Abraham had been exactly in the same place that Abimelech was in. Abraham had a covenant with God. Abraham had a covenant. And just as Abimelech was anxious to have this peace covenant with Abraham and to have Abraham take this oath by the highest authority, Abraham was in that place too. And so Abraham was watching Abimelech, and he was wanting this, as, as Abimelech was wanting this confirmation of the oath and some evidence of it, and he's watching him, and he's seeing that Abimelech is anxious to have this peace treaty, anxious to have the oath, anxious to have the swearing by God. And so what it says in verse 24, you see, and so Abraham understood this, and so he says very, very, very simply, it's in verse 23, remember when he said, now therefore swear unto me here by God, and he gives him the, the, what he wants him to, to promise, to you know, make nice with him. And, and so Abraham understands this, and so he knows how important it is. And so he says in verse 24, Abraham said, I will swear, I will swear, he says. So in the same way that Abimelech wanted confirmation of this treaty, this peace treaty with the assurance of an oath, Abraham also, from the past, he wanted a confirmation from God, and, and so he understood that, so he agrees, I will swear. And, and God gave that assurance to Abraham by swearing to him, and, and it's spoken about in Hebrews 6, 13 through 14, where it says that, for when God made promise to Abraham, so here we want Abimelech making, and Abraham should make promise to Abimelech, but, in, but the other one happened where God made promise to Abraham because he, God, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. And it says, saying, surely, uh, blessing, I'll bless thee, multiplying, I'll multiply thee. So Abimelech looked for, this, for Abraham to swear by the highest authority for his confirmation, and he couldn't find anybody higher than God, so okay. In the same way, God says, I'll swear to you, Abraham, but there's nobody higher than me. I checked and I didn't find anybody, so you know. <laughs> so he says, I swear by myself. Now, now we see that, that Abraham has had something against Abimelech. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know anything about this until, until we read this in verse 25. It's kind of surprising. I mean, you know, Abimelech's coming here wanting a peace treaty, and all of a sudden Abraham brings this thing up about something that he's had against him evidently for some time. And it says in verse 25, Abraham reproved or rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servant had not just taken away. You see what it says. What's the word? What? 
Oh, that's what your word says? <laughs> what does the good old King James word say? <laughs> violently. Violent, but it seized us not bad. Anyway, violently. Okay, seized, violently. Okay, whatever. So anyway, so, so seized. No, I mean violently, right. So he violently takes it away. A well of water, as you know, is very valuable in the desert. That's how you can say it's the most valuable thing. <laughs> anyway. And so Abraham's servant had dug this well. It was Abraham's. It belonged to Abraham. Turns out Abimelech's servants had not just taken away, but they took it away seizingly <laughs> or violently. All right. So, and, and Abimelech's servants, they claimed that they dug the well, evidently, and that therefore it was Abimelech's. And Abraham's servants claimed that they dug the well, and therefore it was Abraham's well. Let's see. And, you know, in all this, the well was silent, so the well couldn't tell us who dug it. Anyway, so we see how, how, how Abraham handled this matter. That's what we want to focus on. How did Abraham handle this water, this problem, this water problem here? And he dresses, and first of all, we see that Abraham addresses with, with Abimelech alone, doing exactly what it says to do in Matthew 18, 15. It says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, that's gain thy brother. It's exactly what he did. It says in Proverbs 25, 9, along the same line, it says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret unto another. And that word debate it means wrangle or toss or defend or strive or plead. I mean, when you want to get into it, just do it alone. Now, the well that was stolen by Abimelech was something that was troubling Abraham, but Abraham waited for the opportunity that God would present to address it, address it directly with Abimelech, which he did. Now was the time. And so Abraham was wronged. It was wrong. Abraham felt, felt, Abraham felt I've been wronged when this well was stolen from me. But Abraham was willing to let it be stolen, as the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, 39-41, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, he said. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy coat also, cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. So when Abraham received this word, that his well had been stolen. Abraham knew it's not right. It's not right at all. And Abraham also remembered, you know, he says, you know, I, I, I could put together that same army that I put together in the past where we went out and defeated the five kings and rescued Lot and brought him back. And he was very tempted. You can imagine because, you know, Abraham's a little hot under the collar right now. We can see it. And so it's very tempted. Abraham could say, you can't get away with that. I'll show you. I'm going to go put a, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go put, say to my men, go get your swords. We'll get that well back. But that, and so it wasn't easy for Abraham because Abraham knew that God was the one who gave him the well in the first place and God was going to take care of him. So when Abraham's well was stolen, Abraham was really at this decision point. That's what we want to focus on, this decision point, because God's watching Abraham and God sees everything. He doesn't have an eye problem. And so, his well is stolen, and Abraham's well is stolen, and God puts a question now to Abraham. All right, here's God's question, Abraham. There's a question. Abraham, here's your question. Is it going to be stand up or stand down? When Abraham's well was stolen, Abraham was like us, and he, he thought of Abimelech. But really, 
kind of, Abimelech's really kind of not in the spotlight here. The spotlight is really when this wrong happened to Abraham on God and Abraham. And the question between God and Abraham is which one is going to stand up and which one is going to stand down. So when Abraham's well was stolen, the question was put before Abraham says, okay, Abraham, who is it going to be, Abraham? Is it, one of us is going to stand down and yield to the other one. Are you going to stand down or are you going to stand up? Because both of us are not going to stand up at the same time. It's either going to be you or me. So Abraham, you go ahead and decide. You decide which one is going to stand down. And if Abraham said to his men, go put on your swords, we'll take back that will, that would have been Abraham making the decision to stand up, and God would say, okay, fine, then I'll stand down. But Abraham, he took the Matthew 39, 41, the, the Matthew 5, 39 41 road, and he said, God is my provider, I'll stand down. God saw that, and God said, okay, I see that Abraham has decided to stand down, I'll stand up, and in time, I'll bring Abimelech crawling, which is what we're reading about here. And did Abimelech come crawling right away after the well was taken? Not exactly. And, and, and that's where we don't want to miss those words in verse 22, where it says, and it came to pass. You know, hayah is existence of time, and it's existence of time. And God's stand up or stand down question that was in front of Abraham was, who's it going to be, Abraham? One of us is going to stand down and yield to the other. And so are you going to do it? And, so, and the instructive part of this chapter is that we see Abraham said when his well was stolen, I'm going to stand down. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor.